This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Say we were having this conversation 10 years ago, this very day, and I asked you where you would be in 10 years creatively. What would you have said? Well, Tom. Well, when they know you for a start, so things should probably be looking up. <laughs> <laughs> now, um, but no, man, like, obviously, 10 years. No, you, you take this question, so let me think. I didn't get a chance no, to think about it. Yeah, yeah, 10 years ago. So, what, where am I now? I'm 29 and a half and three. <laughs> so, like, I'd have been like 20 odd. At that point in my life, I was pretty sure. That within the next year or so, I was about to blow up and be massive. So, like in my head, I think by now I'd have been just like living in LA in a mansion or something, just like <laughs> fat and sassy. But <clears throat> I don't know. Yeah, I just like yeah, I was convinced that by the time I was ten years on from ten years ago, I'd have been flying. Turns out the music business is well up, so <laughs> I'm still grafted. <laughs> Were you solo at this point, or were you in a group? Uh, well, so like, I like I was obviously I was out as a solo artist. I was like a grime MC back then. Do you know what I mean? And hip hop, but like we came up on grime. But like, so all three of the rappers in Monster Florence, me, um, Dream, and Wallace, we've all been. We were like in a clique called the Regime from when we were like young teenagers, and we made music together and recorded at my house and stuff way back then so like we all kind of we were all solo but we were all in like a crew as such and yeah and everyone just sort of released their own tunes and jumped on each other's tunes all the time yeah you're kind of part of a community yeah like everybody like there was like there's like I don't know, like eight or nine of us that were sort of like in like Essex there was nobody other than London like back in them type days like mid 2000s to late 2000s there was just no one about that was doing what we were doing everyone else was just like into football and that and then there's just us like kids from Colchester that were all of a sudden doing Westwood sets on one extra when we were like 18 and everyone was just like what what is going on here so we were like these like little lone soldiers like trying to champion something that everybody just was like I don't get it 10 years on now all the kids get it everyone's wearing side bags and (laughs) culture so it's bollocks really might I just swear yeah go for it Good, sweet, cool. <laughs> the thing is, as well, I suppose if you look at it on the flip side, so there's, there's those three guys, and then sorry, ten years ago, so I've known Cam for over that as well. So we were kind of doing the kind of the polar opposite music. We were doing sort of more um, sort of alternative, off the wall kind of music, um, more band based. So, and then we kind of come across Johnny a few years after that, and then just I started working with him for the studio, and Cam has always been. Either I've been playing in bands with him or he's been sort of the go-to session drummer for the studio. And then from that, we kind of just worked together. And then five years, six years, six years this year, six years this year. So we kind of like all came together, sort of the 
the regime click and, and what we were doing sort of came together and that was when Monster Florence died. So kind of a weird, weird meeting. But yeah, it's kind of worked out well. You hear what you're saying that you were working on band stuff previously. You can hear that in Monster Florence. Like quite yeah. often with kind of grime stuff, you'll have the performer is very grounded and that's kind of what you're connecting with. But the beat can sometimes be a little bit more artificial in a way, whereas you guys kind of don't do that. Everything's kind of grounded. I think the, 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 the reason for starting it was never, was never, we were never intended for it to be kind of, well, it wasn't, we were never intended to be be kind of popular but we didn't set out to start something for everyone to like we did we sort of set out to do something because i had the studio had a lot of downtime and we were just sort of hanging out and just having a laugh and through that we kind of is this that few we were trying to make a fusion of the sort of the live music and the, and the rap thing without you know falling into that sort of you know, the cliches of Linkin Park or those sort of ridiculous territories. Because that's kind of like, you would explain it right down on paper, that's kind of what springs to mind, I suppose. But it's so far removed from anything like that. So that's kind of, that was the plan of it. So there's this hybrid music of not knowing whether it's sort of live or electronic or whatever. It's kind of where we are with the sound, really. It's kind of just a, a mash of everything, really, that we like. It just happens to be that people, are, people like it too, which is, which is great. Has your understanding what you were saying there is well, you know how you wanted the, the, you wanted to kind of have that band element to it and you wanted to try and get the live thing? Has your under, understanding of the balance of that and the kind of mechanics of that and how that functions successfully has that changed as the pro, uh, project has progressed? Yeah. Listen to the first EP. <laughs> <laughs> well, the first EP is like I think we we, we, just, we discuss it on a regular basis. If you listen to it, it's um it's kind of six people all trying to find their sort of place in this kind of this idea that we've come up with and you end up with this, like the first song of the EP is just a kind of like a, like a whirlwind of like all, uh, every genre. And I think as it's progressed, we've kind of got better at, because we didn't know what our sound was. So obviously now we're kind of much more confident with each other and kind of like, you know, disregarding people's ideas. You know, no one's got, no one's precious about an idea. If someone comes in with something, it's like, no, you know, we don't want to use that. But back in the day, that kind of dynamic wasn't, wasn't quite cemented, so it was just like anyone jumped in anything we wrote. Plus, also, you've got to remember, yeah, that back in the day when we started, so back, back in, in the day, it's six years, man, it's back in the day. So back when we started, none of us really knew each other that well. No, so like, no. it, like, like, Jad, like Johnny would come out and start Lisa Simpson in on the sax, <laughs> and, like, I'll, and I'd be like, I want to tell him to chill out with that, but I don't know the geezer. So to go, oi, mate, nah. <laughs> it was taken wrong. So it took like a good while for everyone to get comfortable enough to be able to say, right, Cam, you stop tapping, sight, that lyric was shit, you stop doing that. Do you know what I mean? Like, as the sound has grown, everybody's relationship has grown, and that means yeah. that it all kind of amalgamates together a lot easier. It becomes a much easier melting pot to sit in than when you're sat across the room with three other geezers who you barely know that you've been into a band with. You know what I mean? Everyone's high and paranoid, just going, I don't know if I should tell them that saxophone shit. Or if I don't know, like, <laughs> yeah. And you kind of, but, that, but, then, but then to be fair, like, I, I think we, I said we discussed it quite a lot. I don't, like, I think that was great. That, that kind of uncomfortableness created the first EP, which was kind of a mash of loads of different things. And obviously from, from there, we kind of fine-tuned it. So to have that, like touch on all those genres and kind of just like have that uncomfortableness in the studio at times kind of worked well for us because we got over it you know I suppose where the bands would fail you know I think none of us are sort of afraid to call each other out on certain things that makes it a healthy working environment which you don't get with many bands let alone a band that have kind of mixed up with such different personalities as well from really different backgrounds Who was the first person to call someone out on something maybe not being quite up to standard? I, I, I remember one incident, we were doing a track, it was, it was The Groove, and um, this was sort of like maybe like the second or sort of third full song that we'd done, and uh, me and Johnny had been working on saxophones and like, horn parts for like hours, 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 and Dre rolled in late from the session, sort of rolled up like late afternoon, just walked in and just saw this kind of layout of all these horns and section that we'd been working on, we were like, before we'd even said, what do you think about it? He went, nah, the shit, get rid of them. <laughs> and I looked at this, I looked at it and I thought, well, nah, to be fair, he's got a point. And I deleted them and I emptied the recycle bin and never went back to them. But Johnny's face was a picture because you could see the look of absolute 
panic. And I'm like, no, nah, man, no, it's, a, it's got a point. It ain't that good. So and I think that was, a, that was definitely a turning point for me. It was just like, ah, there's no point in being precious about anything. If someone doesn't like it, doesn't, don't like it. Coming at it, we've kind of spoken about that slight tension to start with from kind of a third person point of view, like you hearing other people's stuff and it not quite fitting up with maybe what you had in mind. From a personal point of view at the beginning, were you able to be kind of completely vulnerable in that space? Were you able to kind of be completely authentic and true if you weren't quite comfortable with the other people to begin with? I, do you know, I think, I think everybody was, yeah. I think everybody was... It's, like, it's just a sort of complicated question, really. Like, everybody went in there, yeah, with kind of like the same head on their shoulders of like, we don't really know what we're going to make, but we know that whatever it is we make, we want to just make sure that it's just, it's real. Let's not try and, let's not go in and go, right, let's make a song like this or let's make a sound that sounds like this. It was like, let's go in, let's bang stuff, play stuff and make noise and make vibrations. If they sound good, boom, we run with it. Whether it's a genre that feels removed or whatever, we kind of just, none of us sort of went in with any preconceived idea of how it should sound. It was just about, does it sound good? If the answer is yes, then keep going. If no, then we stop and we move on to something else. Although everybody kind of like, it was pulling in different directions and all of that, it still allowed for the same motions. Whilst everyone's trying to pull in left and right, everyone's still moving forward with each other. So you were never in a position where you were stuck at the back going, I don't want to make any of this and I'm feeling uncomfortable because everybody was still on that same level playing field. Do you know what I mean? It was never anything other than, let's just try and make some good music. And now it's like if you listen through to each of the projects from the groove all the way through to what's the last thing we released? Cowboys, Cowboys did it skip. If you listen through to that, it's like you can hear each step of the journey of where we were at. And it was like, although we were getting more comfortable, it was it was less about us having like vulnerability in it to be able to express it to each other. It was more just us not being dumb and just figuring out that we don't need to do all of this stuff that we're trying to do to be original. The more further down the line we got, the more refined things got and the better things got. But at any one point, everybody was always on the same carriage of the same train going in that direction. You know what I mean? Was that a position you were in when you made 48? Had you kind of established that when you went into that? Yeah. 48, yeah. Oh, God. 48 was never meant to be what it was. So 48 originally, Pav from Beggars was like, I've got this idea, want to do an EP or something. It was Pav, isn't it? Yeah, it was Paddington. We were like, yeah, we're going to make this EP in 48 hours. We'll film it on live stream it on Facebook. And like initially it was like, fuck it. Let's just do this as a, as a a fun musical exercise. We've got the space. We've got. It's a good idea. It's a good experiment. That's it. Like when you come to us, it was like, for like when you make music all the time, as fun and as creative as it is, the process of that can become monotonous and that becomes uninspiring after a while. So the idea of being like, right, we've got this time pressure of let's get in and let like removing all of the yeah buts and no buts and maybe we could tweak this. Like none of that, just get in, make it. And when it's done, it's done. You can't change it. There was, there's like a freedom within that, that kind of like, although you're kind of constrained by loads of time and all the rest of it, it's actually a really free way of being creative. But then when we got in and started making it, by pure chance, that just ended up being an album. Like by the end of day one, we only had one tune done. One song, yeah, one song. Like we sort of finished up for that day at like silly o'clock in the morning and was like, right, we've all got to go home and get a couple of hours kicking, kicking and get back in here. Uh, I went home thinking, fuck, we, we're going to look like idiots if we get to the end of 48 <laughs> hours and we haven't even got an EP. And then somehow that next day, there was just so many people in that space. There was just pockets of people in every part of the studio, even parts of the studio that I'd never the seen. Loft. <laughs> Walking up into the loft and there's people just like holding on to people to like stop earth buzz from basically. <laughs> like, like just mad shit. And it just kind of like that, that is like, it was the purest form of creation I've ever been a part of. Although it was fucking stressful and I wouldn't rush to do it again. It was just like, it was completely free. There was no thinking. There was no time to think, really, apart from on the last, the first night when it was like, shit, we really need to think of something <laughs> to make up from this one. And then it just kind of like, it gave birth to itself. By, uh, purely by accident, though, really, wasn't it? Because like we said, we said four tracks. And then like, it, was the end, it was the end of the, like, the, like Simon was saying, the end of the last day, I kind of went around the room and just like, actually just sort of, 
re- like relaxed off of it a little bit and was like, cool, I think we've got some stuff here. And I went around and started collecting all the stems. And I'm like, shit. I was like, we've got like, I think, we, I think in the end we actually had, like we had like, we had 10, the 10 tracks we released and there was another one as well that was kind of on the ball, but then yeah, the 10 that we kept. It was a unique experience because not only did you have like this juxtaposition of personalities where you've got these kind of grime MCs at one end of the spectrum followed by kind of these orchestral string players and then everyone in between that. It was really weird to see everyone sort of come together just like, right, like job, we've got a job to do. Let's just crack on. And it was everyone buzzing around different rooms, going from one room to the next and kind of adding bits here. And someone was recording a drum kit while someone's next to them trying to record vocals. And from a production point of view, it's a little rough around the edges, but that was the purpose of it. It was the purpose of it was to create something within 48 hours. We came out far more than we expected. And, and it was all of our mates as well. It was a cool thing to do. It was, just, it was fun. And then obviously the whole thing was streamed on Facebook, which was even more ridiculous. So there was, you know, at any one point you've got like a couple of thousand people just watching you. It's just odd. Why are you having like essentially a nervous breakdown as well? <laughs> <laughs> How does that impact yeah. your mindset when you know there's like that many people watching? There is, a, there, is a, there is a really, there was a one moment on, I remember it, it was a Sunday afternoon. It was kind of, Things had got really out of control, like a barbecue outside and stuff, and people coming in. It was just people just coming from everywhere. People were seeing it on Facebook and then just turning up and then just coming in, laying stuff down. From a sort of, obviously, a, a, I suppose, an executive producer's point of view, and it was my studio, I felt kind of I had to try and at least try and control things to a certain degree, but it was fairly uncontrollable. I remember I was left in the control room on my own, and I remember looking at my phone. And there's obviously like a 30 second delay on the Facebook live feed as well. So you're looking at your phone, you can see there's, and Facebook had shared it actually, the fa- actually Facebook themselves had shared it on their sort of official page. And there's like, it was insane. There was like 40,000 people watched that one, that one stream over a few hours. But there was, I'm watching it and I'm kind of looking at the camera sort of trying to talk back to the people there saying, any questions? Looking back, nothing. And it was quite unnerving. <laughs> it, was, it was quite a weird experience. Yeah, it was very strange. But again, yeah, like I said, not something I, I would want to repeat in a hurry. I think we completed live streaming. Everyone's on it now. It's old hat. We'll do something else. Virtual reality, doing space or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> again, yeah. you were ahead of the game. Well, that's like 2017. It was like a couple of webcams, like four webcams and a, like some live streaming software that some company lent us for a couple of hours. Well, a whole weekend. And then we ended up just it's like no one was doing it at the time, so it was quite, it was quite bold. But yeah, like I said, it wasn't smooth sailing at all, and it's not something I would repeat in a hurry. I lost, a few, I think we all lost a lot, particularly me inside, because we obviously by the end of that first day, when you have nothing apart from one song, we we're like shit. We've got to at least try and like sort this out, and that took its toll on our mental well-being for the course of that day. The adrenaline kicks in though, like when you know that you have to do it. Yeah. Yeah, 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 definitely. What did you learn creatively from that experience with 48 that still you that you feel still carries through to your kind of musical process today? Um, to be fair, like like I say, I think the the not being precious thing, which is kind of like what we intended to be like from the start, but like really, it was such a fuck, it was such a whirlwind, man. I don't even really think I drank it improperly. I was just happy for it to be finished. But I think the main thing was you come away from it realizing that it's like because we made tunes there that were done in an hour and then there's a couple that were done over the whole day in bits and bobs but just that whole thing of just letting go of shit sometimes and just letting it be what it is and not nitpicking i think that has sort of transcended through all of the music we've made and like we thought it we felt like that anyway but i think that probably like solidified that mindset in how we work and Public, that we never publicly. want to do something like that yeah. again. It's solidified it publicly. Yeah. And that, I think, I think was, and that was the reason for going into it as well, because obviously it stemmed from that foreign beggar session that we had in like the December leading up to the, uh, the, the, yeah, the December session we had with him. And we kind of like, so obviously Pav had walked in and walked into us with this full, full band environment where we've kind of got samplers and drum kits, it's all going off. And then it, we were kind of just kind of knocking out ideas left, right, and centre, just really quickly, and um, that's just how we work anyway. Well, yeah, sometimes we work like that, sometimes we don't. It's obviously different, different workflows for different songs. But um, I think that was what he—that was the point of saying that. Like, he's, we had the live streaming stuff that we were doing. Then he's like, "Hey, you can knock out songs this quick, then like maybe we could do this." And we we're like, "Oh yeah, that's, that's what we do." 
yeah, like you said, it's definitely solidified that. It's mm. something that we've kind of, we were doing anyway, but we're just a bit better at doing it now. Sometimes. <laughs> sometimes, yeah. Sometimes, yeah. Is it easier to do that when there's less of you? Like, I mean, how many people were at that 48 thing? Like, 30 people 40 or whatever? People. 40 people. 40, 40, on the last day, it was 40 people. Man. <laughs> 40 people. Yeah, there's 40 people. There's eight people outside. People recording outside in the car on a MacBook. People in the loft, like Cy was saying, like having to be held down because there's like an earth problem. There was two people in the middle, uh, two sets of groups in the middle room, two in the control room, three or four sets of people in the live room. You know, on a normal room. one, though, it's all a lot more simple. Six. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? There's six <laughs> of us. And to be fair, like that like fluctuates. Like sometimes... Like sometimes, like recent, to be fair, recently since Tom's decided to tidy up the studio for once, we've got, <laughs> we've got and we've got more space to all pocket off a bit. Like there's been like now that you've got like a big live room and then there's a little middle room and then there's the control room and now that little middle room is like set up to recording. Now there's like little pockets of little two people chipping off in there, but generally it's always all of us in a room, all looking at each other. Gen- actually, to be fair, it's you three playing instruments and us three sat at the back going, nah, yeah. yeah. Nah, <laughs> twist, yeah, go twist, again. twist, go again. <laughs> like a fucking jukebox, mate. Yeah, like, we're, like, just like we're just like, they're just like, whoosh, make music now. Um, <laughs> but like, to be fair, a lot of the time as well, there's like, there's, there's pre-done ideas. Like, like, I'll come in with me doing like guitars with my mouth and go, we should make a song that sounds like this, down, down, and like play <laughs> shit like that. Or like Quinton will have a hook or track. Do you know what I mean? It just kind of like, I think everybody bounces off each other when we're there. There's no sort of like, like two of us go off and start things all the time. It's, it's no, and also as well, it's like again in the six years, it's been it's changed quite significantly the workflow. And obviously with lockdown, the last lockdown, things changed. Where beforehand, like the very start, it was like we'd all do everything in the studio, and then there'd be an idea, and everyone would go away and write to it. And that's kind of there's not a huge, it's not a bad thing, but there's not so much writing outside of the studio anymore. In terms no. of like actual lyrics, it's kind of it's usually done there and then in the studio. And if it doesn't get done there and then, it's and if the song's staying, that's why they're the ones that take a while to finish because the idea is not there or whatever. But again, just like with lockdown, like Dre set himself up a little studio and it's kind of a bit more like forward with coming forward with hooks and stuff like that. And that's changed again. And now we're back to kind of like you said, working working on some of your voice notes, like a song we were working on last night. It's, yeah, it's, it, it just changes. The whole thing's evolving all the time. It just changes. But yeah, definitely with, with the lockdown, the quarantine, that changed things a lot. Do you need a beat to write to? Uh, no. I mean, it always no. helps. It's always nice to have one. But like, there are plenty of song ideas. I, I mean, I suppose I can't speak for everyone, but it depends. I know that, I know that for myself, sometimes I'll be doing something completely unrelated. I'll be washing up or I'm in the shower or something. And my brain go, like will hear something. It's like, ah, oh, or I'll have, actually, do you know what's the most common one? Yeah. I'll be sitting, it happens to me all the time. And I'll watch like films or the telly and someone will say something and I'll go, that was a six sentence. That was a six. It pisses my missus off all the time because then my attention completely stops being on whatever the fuck we're watching. And I'm sat on my phone like, no, 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 no. There's a song in that. There's a song in that. And I'll sit there and I'll have stuff. And then like, then, but normally I won't, I won't go to the studio and be like, like last night I had this idea and I've got this hook idea. I'll just wait. And at some point, someone will do something like sonically that I'll be like, this is sick for that. And then I've just like, so on my phone, I've just got loads of like four lines and six lines or just like one sentence in bold and then just bullet points about what the rest of that hook could be. And then someone will play something at some point in the studio and then it'll all fit. So like it, it, you don't need one, but I just think it's a lot easier. Sometimes it's easier to have that first because it sets the tone. Do you know what I mean? Nine times out of ten, if we have a beat going on, these lot are making the music. First question that any one of the, the us three that write on them will say, we'll look at each other and be like, right, what's this saying to you? Do you know what I mean? So you kind of need that to, for it to set a bit of context for you to then continue to write. Otherwise, it's, it's easy to kind of go off on a tangent. Yeah, so it's like you have the ideas, but it's the beat that drives the actual story itself. It, it definitely glues it together. Do you know what I mean? It gives you, it gives you a pace. It gives you a setting. It gives you context that you can then elaborate on. Otherwise, it's just a bit like I don't know. Like you kind of need, like you need a beat so that you can find the right pockets. If you haven't got a pocket to find, 
then it's easy to write something that's just a bit a bit like straightforward do you know what i mean whereas like when you've got something and you can actually hear the music then you can find those weird little pockets that make it interesting and you become another instrument within that sound as opposed to just rapping on a beat do you know what i mean i think as well there's a different like it's different for everyone though because obviously you're talking like that but when you've got someone like quinton he comes in with like he has like he comes in with more concepts doesn't he mm. like like the groove like the groove he came up with like a whole like, story and then other times he'll come in like when we were doing fandino he's got oh, i've got this idea i want to write a song about this 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 and this and then you kind of end up trying to write a song around that. And that's much harder, but it's more rewarding at the end of the day when you've kind of, you've kind of managed to like, actualize this sort of story. And then you've got Dre, who's kind of comes from a vibe perspective as well, doesn't he? He's like, oh, I've heard something like this. Like, I like the, the step of this. And, you know, that's kind of the vibe I'd like to go down. And nine times out of 10, we never end up writing anything like that. Cause we're not very good at doing that sort of stuff. And it was like we always stuff. think we're going to, we're well yeah. good at going, boy, this tune's sick. We should make songs that sound like this. And then our interpretation of that is fucking nothing like the thing that we've listened to. So it tends to sound cool though. And then yeah. we end up making, we end up making a new sound. We do it on purpose. Do you know what I mean? Then, it's all purpose. And then three years later, we'll write a song and go, do you remember when we were trying to write a song like this? Because <laughs> like, yeah, there's been a few moments now in the new album, we're kind of like, fuck it, we did it. Pretty much the entire time we made like the album that we're working on at the minute, in nearly every studio session, it was like, right, let's make a Tame Impala song. Come on, let's make a tune like Tame Impala. Like every time drum Cam played anything on the drums, he was like, what kind of step are you looking for? Tame Impala. Let's make the bass sound like Tame Impala. Not a single fucking tune we've made has ever sounded like Tame Impala, no matter how hard you try. Not a single one. And that's been going over three years. Yeah, I'm still waiting. One day soon, I'm going to be gassing when we make that Tame Impala. Yeah, to be fair, it's about Kevin it, yeah. Parker, if you're listening. <laughs> it's interesting what you were saying there, though, about how every kind of vocalist, they come at it from a different point of view and they're coming at it with a different method. Does that give the writing a different weight? And if so, how do you kind of assemble and balance that as a producer? It's difficult because, like, the role as a producer, my role as a producer in Monster Florence is like, it's two different, there's two different sides because you've got two different types of producers. You've got your traditional producer, like your, your kind of your Rick Rubens and your kind of, your kind of Phil Spector type people where it's kind of organising a session and producing, you know, everything from pulling in people to, but then you've got the more modern way of looking at a producer where you've got like the hip hop producers, which are people that sit there and make the beats. So my, my role is amalgamation of those two. It's difficult a lot of the time because that's the thing about not being precious about something because someone's got an idea and you're like, I oh, like it was a guitar idea, and you pick the guitar up and like bang, bang, bang. You know, like, I could do that, but actually, do you know what? Someone else could play this a lot better than me, you know, like, or, or someone else might play it worse than me, and might, maybe the song needs that, you know. Like now, Johnny, we've made Johnny learn to play guitar, which is hilarious. So I've got less to do now. Each time we approach a song, there's that we do it. It's very different. We don't do the same process. Like we don't just do a whole batch of songs written exactly the same way. We'll do one song and then next week we'll be like, fuck it, let's do something else. I remember that we were doing this, there's a new song on the, on the record where um, uh, we wrote it's a song called Lag. Wallace uh, came up with this, this well, I think it was Wallace, uh, as a concept about living life in the Sims. So we ended up kind of using loads of fucked up digital equipment like busted iPads and kind of broken acoustic guitars and kind of try and create this kind of like little laggy, glitchy digital world. But then you've got, I don't know, man, it's not as a hard one to explain. Because if you like, if you listen to our back catalog, it's so random, you know, steps through loads of different genres and kind of touches on different things. So yeah, it's hard, but it's fun, far more fun than anything I've ever worked on ever. Yeah, like what you're saying about you've got so many different styles when you look at the back catalogue. It's almost like you deploy the different styles of writing depending on what works for the beat and the song itself. Like the bounce changes from song like. to song, yeah. Yeah, but it's what we feel like. It's like we, we get bored easily, very quickly. Like you were saying, as I was saying, they'll sit in the back of the room and if we're doing something that's more kind of beat-driven, there'll be the three of us, it'll be Cam, like, I don't know, in the, in the live room, putting some drums we've got through, like a guitar amplifier, and Johnny's busting some keys out and I'm on the bass or whatever and we're just knocking out ideas and ideas and then other times we'll all be in the all in the live room playing as a live band and we'll be sampling it and then taking that and then messing that up and then other times it will be something that someone's created at home 
um, like one of the songs we were working on last night and you kind of end up doing it in a more traditional sense, like a, like a beat. If you just kept doing the same thing over and over again, it would be really boring. A deck of cards was a random one, you know? We, we ended up, yeah, I mean, like the process of that was making something so bad, it was so badly recorded. Piano was out of tune, the bass was out of tune, the drums were recorded one mic with a broken lead, like all intentional. And the idea was to try and fix it and kind of make this thing sound more, to pol- essentially polish a turd. And you kind of end up, but that's it, that's it, man. Like, obviously, you listen to it now and you think, oh, that sounds sick. But like, how it started was awful. That makes it far more interesting. It's like approaching the song, the songwriting, from a, from a production point of view, approaching it differently each time, you know, because that way you come up with something fresh, or at least, at least fresh to yourself anyway. Is that sense of boredom you spoke about there, is that also what kind of leads you to the interludes and stuff? And these kind of little vignettes that stitch all in together? We love concepts. That's the one thing, like, like, I don't know, we love concepts and we love the skits and all that sort of stuff. So, so it's, and they're good fun to do. Sometimes we just do them for fun. We've got like a back catalogue of skits that are absolutely hysterical. <laughs> absolutely, like, gold. <laughs> I was going to say, where did the, because you sample a babe station go for one of them, right? <laughs> yeah. Where did no, that come was, from? <laughs> Dre, uh, like, Dre was chatting, like, Dream was chatting to one, one of them. And by pure chance, we were like, in that tune at that point, we're like, do you know what would be sick? We had like a babe station girl to say this. And then Dre was like, do you want me to ask one? And we were like, what? And he was like, I'm <laughs> literally fun. texting one right now. And I was just like, fucking tell her she's got to do this. And then within 10 minutes, she sent us it back. And we were like, posh, that was a fucking... Sometimes the universe just aligns. And that was one of their moments. And that skit, that particular skit that leads on from the end of... One time, my baby, isn't it? Yeah. That is a skit. That's a skit to rule skits. You yeah, that's, that the, that's the... Um, yeah, I can't even skit. say it. I can't say it out loud because little ears are about, but you can. You can explain <laughs> that skit if you want. Yeah, look, basically, I'll, 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 <laughs> I'll, I'll, skirt, I'll skirt around it a little bit because I don't want to incriminate us too much. But there was this one session, right? We kind of went to the, like, the sort of sixth dimension <laughs> and we kind of had this idea that like maybe like, you know, traditionally bands like the Beatles and kind of the Rolling Stones indulged in certain activities and made these amazing records. So we're like, fuck it, we ain't done that before, let's give it a go. No, we hadn't done it in a session before. And like, looking back on it, probably wasn't the best thing to do. Like Cam turned up at nine o'clock and like Cy was hanging off the, Cy figured out how to play drums. Quinton was hanging off the door, Dre was just sort of lying on the sofa. I was clinging on to reality. <laughs> One thing we did come out with though, was that skit. And that is me inside jamming. And it's perfect, like that skit, like, like if you listen to it at the end, like that bit about hanging off the door, that was just what was going, like I was stood in the room with a chaos pad, slowly crumbling into another dimension, and like, I looked around at Quentin, and I was just like, what are you doing? And he was literally hanging off the top of this door while it was swinging, and that was it, I was just like, he's hanging off the door, he's tripping out, and just started singing it, and then yeah, next thing you know, it makes the fucking EP. Bearing in mind, this is too the afternoon is one on a Tuesday. So. Yeah, the whole room had turned gold. That's what I could see. Anyway. <laughs> it was a, there was a magic moment of me sitting there playing bass and Cy jumped on the drums and I look at him and I'm like, Ralph, you're fucking playing drums. He's like, oh my God. Yeah, I don't oh know what God. happened. Like the dr- the drums just became a thing. Like, I, all of a sudden, I was Keith Moon, and it was the bollocks. Now, if I get back on it, I can't do it. But like something happened. Some some wires in my brain connected that day, and something special happened. Well, you know what you've got to do. (laughs) Oh, yeah, trust. If I could do that without going clinically insane, I'd do it all the time. (laughs) Just don't know how the Beatles did it. Just don't know how the Beatles did it whatsoever. They must have just not done as much, I think. (laughs) (laughs) Microdosing. Yeah. Yeah. The the Miles Kane skit kind of has a slightly Beatles-y vibe to it as well. It's almost got like a kind of Beatles, Rolling Stones type figure being interviewed. Oh, the the, 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 line. What the um. Spoke do you know what that is? Do you know what that is? Yeah, that weren't even the night, mate. Straight to sleep. Um, that yeah was so when we first started working with Miles and first like chatting to Miles, <coughs> it, me and him were just WhatsApping, just bollocks, just like, oh, have you heard this tune? Have you heard this tune? Just like chit chat, and like randomly he was just messing about and we were talking about oh yeah da, 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 da. and then he randomly was like yeah 
started doing this off the cuff and he was like yeah that's what uh if someone was, if, if next year if there's a dvd about us this is what this is what would be said and just sort of done this off the cuff joke voice note to me that at the time i just was like <laughs> banter like loads of laughing emojis and carried on and then months later i was like fucking hell that could actually be like a really funny skit and i just scrolled back through my whatsapp for ages looking for it and i was like boom we found it i was like bruv do you mind if i use one of your bits of banter that you sent me as a skit and he was just like no go ahead kid i was like all right sweet <laughs> okay and like it sounds like it was like this planned thing but it was literally just a bit of like whatsapp messing about Man, do you just clean it up a little bit? Yeah, just literally, like, cause the no, like, but iPhone, yeah. To clean be fair, iPhones like the the you know like them little little mics on the headphones, pretty crystal clear. Yeah, because it sounds like he's getting interviewed like in a studio or something, you know. Yeah, but he's no, good at that, man. He's quick at that. He's he's, he's so off the cuff. He's like he's banner. <laughs> he's just, he's yeah, so straight funny. into character. He's, he's absolutely hysterical, that guy. And that's still, like you said, that skit was just so perfect. Didn't do anything with it. Just shoved it on there, stuck it in the end, sent it to him, and he was in stitches. And we're like, cool, that's a keeper. <laughs> funny guy very funny guy when you bring someone you know such as himself into the room and you know, another creative kind of person does that change or does it make you realise things about your dynamic as a group when you bring like a different perspective in yeah when pe- people come into our space so we're obviously comfortable in our own environment so like when I was saying about when the foreign beggars turned up and we've kind of just got this we're like having a party like you know it's random like Wednesday afternoon like it's pitch, it's you know, broad daylight outside, but in there we've got lights going off, we're jumping around, freestyling, all this stuff's going off. And they kind of come into our space and it's kind of like, whoa. Uh, and then they're kind of, I suppose they're kind of, it's not forced into it, but they kind of end up adopting the way that we work. And it's kind of, sometimes, because we've been doing it so long the way we do it, it always seems like that's just the way everyone does it. Even though, like, for example, when Miles came in, um, we'd had a whole, we had this whole, we set everything up, we were kind of just jamming away. And he came in and was like, whoa, Jesus Christ, what's going on? And we were just set the whole band environment up and we just played and played and played. Like, um, Cy, uh, Dre and Wallace were just sort of in the middle of the room with Miles, kind of working on vocal ideas. And it doesn't really seem that alien to us, but then when you sometimes look at people who are in the room, you can sort of see they're kind of a bit like taken back by the sort of, yeah, but it's just because it, it's intense. Everybody is. Everybody is. Everybody comes in and is a bit like, whoa. It doesn't help also that you're walking into a session of six people. There's a load of big personalities in there. Yeah. There's a shit ton of ego floating about. Like friendly competitive ego, but there's plenty of it about. And like we just like like Tom saying, we're so comfortable in that and we're so used to working how we work and how we work with each other. And I think people I think a lot of people, yeah, when they go into sessions with other people, it's a lot more clinical. You've got like your producer who's just sat at the desk and, do you know what I mean, every now and then turns around and does something on the bass or something and then carries on just sitting in the middle. And it's all a lot more, when I see other people's sessions and a lot of other sessions that I've attended like yeah. separately, it's fucking stiff, man. <laughs> but ultimately, we're just in there having a, having a laugh and, like, yeah. and sometimes some sick music comes out of it. But it's like that completely relaxed, like less, like so, Half the time we get in studio with people and we just spend about four fucking hours talking. No one even makes a tune or picks up an instrument or does anything. It's just like, it's just everyone's just jamming. And I think that's, that's the thing I notice with everybody. They're a bit like, whoa, this, is, this isn't like a normal, right, come in, sit down. Who's got a chorus? Let's work out the chorus. Let's do that. Do, do you know what I mean? It's just like, let's get in and vibe and catch a vibe. And if a tune comes out of that vibe, sick. If not, come back next time. We carry on vibing and see what happens again. It's just like, I think that, sort yeah. of looseness is we to us it seems like normal that's how that's how i'd like to be able to make music i don't want to be like constrained and like put into some like structure of how we have to do things but i think a lot of places are like that and a lot of other people's experiences in sessions are like that so i think people come in and they're just a bit like wow this is actually fun and people like people always want to come back and do more sessions isn't it? Well, that's the thing that i've always found like with the, like before before i had a studio i've had like i've owned studios for quite a while now and like every studio I ever ever attended was exactly that. Like whether it was you know depending completely irrelevant to the genre that you're playing, it's always that you're going in, you kind of pay your money and you're sitting there, or you're not paying money, whatever it is. You know, there's there is a leader of the session. That person's there. There's like the alpha, and everyone kind of has to bow down to what that person does. And they kind of maybe occasionally look back at you, and you're kind of left to feel uncomfortable. And it's getting towards the end of the day, and you're thinking, "Do I want to get my part done? Am I going to get this done?" And you just kind of wrap it up quickly. And it, you always ended up feeling when you come out of it like you could have done something a little bit better. 
from my point of view as a producer, I've never ever wanted to have that in any of my sessions because that just sucks. And then obviously the five the five other guys in the band are exactly the same, so we don't do that, you know. So like, like I was saying, like but prime example yesterday, sat there watching YouTube videos for ages. <laughs> I just didn't do anything, just chatting, chatting shit, just kind of like getting, you know, just listening to tunes and kind of. But that that that's part of the process. That is part of the process, even if it's just like you know, you got Cam sitting there saying, "Let's put on a film constantly." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we never do. But like that's part of that's part of it because if something does come out, wicked. If it doesn't come out, it just wasn't meant to happen. But it's just enjoy it, chat some shit, like talk about what you've been doing, whatever catch up it's like hang time yeah like i said sometimes music comes out of it do you yeah do you find the ideas coming from that like do you start to have ideas twerk as you become more relaxed in that setting definitely like whenever we go in and we're like right today we like like we've got like what what are we on like five weeks left to hand the album into the label four, four fucking hell four <laughs> weeks you might have to cut this interview here short and go and crack on with some fucking music mate jesus christ dude i've um, got the mix session up here at the moment I'm <laughs> good <laughs> as soon as this is done tom you get mixing i've been um, mixing <laughs> Um, fuck, that's threw me off. What was the question? Yeah, do you get oh, ideas right. as you're relaxing, as you kind of yeah, 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 yeah. Like if we go in and we set out like right, we've got time constraints. We've got to make sure we get this done, or like we know we've got X amount of time, so we need X amount of tunes done. Every time we go in like that, nothing comes out of it. it very rarely do we force it, or maybe you might get like by like half ten at night, we end up spending the last forty five minutes of the session, and we get the start of something. We go ah. Oh, Finally, we've got something sick, but it's always when we go in and just chill and relax and vibe. Like, like, like we've done a tune the other day and we spent the first half of the day talking about fucking Meghan Markle and like, like Nancy Royals and all that kind of stuff. And like all of that stuff that had gone on. And then like later on, when we start to make tunes, we end up making a tune and then all of that sort of stuff gets, starts getting regurgitated into it. And it's like, right now, now let's make a funny tune that's going to piss people off talking about all the stuff we were talking about earlier. Like I personally, for my own enjoyment, really enjoy staring the pot like that. So You're like, the worst. You're the worst. Yeah, I tend to be quite vulgar with shit, but it's, you know, shock factors always interesting. It They remember <laughs> you. If you piss them off, they remember you. Do you know what I mean? Well, it's a different kind of energy, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. I just think like, but yeah, I just think sometimes when we do that, it has to just be that relaxed journey through. Otherwise, it's just, it's contrived, man. If you go in and it's not chilled out and you're just bouncing Mate, around so ideas that's, and talking. That's almost called relax. Come on. That tune's called relax. And <laughs> Come on. Ironically, so is, ironically, it's probably the most least relaxed song on the album. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's absolutely horrible. <laughs> if, you, if you have someone enter that environment, though, that is kind of in that clinical, you know, uptight, straitjacket frame of mind that other people in writing sessions tend to be, is yeah. it a delicate balance? Can they upset the atmosphere in the room and kind of kill the vibe? I think it kills theirs. I don't think it kills us. <laughs> no, I think had, people are just like, oh shit. <laughs> we've had, we've had like some like we're going to name any names because that's just like no, nah, go on, like no, nah, go on, no, nah, <laughs> nah, go on, go on, who, who, you know, you know, you know, <laughs> no, go on. But like, you know, coming into a session, it's like, it's 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 usually you find it's the kind of the people that are more established, uh, not not like not like Miles or, or people like that. But like some people that come in and they've kind of got a, a particular way of working and they're so ingrained and they've got this level of level of success where they have to they know they know what works and what doesn't work and has worked for them. So when they come into this alien environment, they're like, oh right, God. Oh and obviously that doesn't work for us whatsoever. Well, and whenever that's happened, yeah, whenever that's happened, it's never like it never fucks with our flow. No, like we, we end up carrying on around that person and then Did that person will kind of like <laughs> wander around the studio just like, okay, what should I do? Do you know what I mean? Like, it's a little bit like roll with us or get rolled over vibes. Do you know what I mean? Like, like, like bullies, like, really. We're just like yeah, bullies. like really like nice, happy, gentle musical bullies. You come yeah, to our yeah. studio, you've got to play with our ball or you've got to go. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. In the nicest possible way, though. Yeah, but it's never like, I don't think it ever, like, I don't think it ever, no one ever picks up on it and that. It's just people, there's been sessions when people have left and we've just gone, yeah, let's probably not do that one again. Do you know what I mean? Like, every, everyone's, like, you catch a vibe of 
people just work differently, man, especially creative people. And some creative people are stuck in stuck in their ways. And like that's cool, man. If that works for you, sweet. But it's all just a little bit too is a bit too structured for us. But it doesn't boring. Yeah, it just gets boring, yeah, literally. Can you tell from the off? Do you know pretty much straight away? Mm, I think you pick up a vibe, but to, I don't know. Some, but then the thing is, is it depends on who you've got in because, like, <clears throat> it's a daunting thing to go into anyone else's studio that they're comfortable in with, especially with six of us. Do you know what I mean? I'm a gobshite. Dre's a gobshite. Like most of us are gobshites in the band. Like it's probably when you, if you don't know us to walk in, it's probably a bit like whoa. So you kind of have to give people the benefit of the doubt when you start sessions. That it's going to take. A little while to, do you know what I mean? Warm up a bit and for people to feel confident to come out of their comfort zone. But then for some people, it just pushes because it's so out of their comfort zone. It just pushes them further and further and further yeah. into it, into themselves, and and it just like fucks with them creatively. And you can you can kind of judge that from a distance, and you just have to kind of gingerly. There's been a few times where we work with people, and I know that they're not really knowing what to do so I, like you find yourself being like yo let's do this and just engaging with them on what you're doing in the hope that they'll then go off and start tailing off from that do you know what i mean yeah you kind of separate in the middle of the process yeah because yeah. you don't want to be a dickhead in it and just be like oh, what you don't you don't get this tune now <laughs> all right <Are> you scared <laughs> do you know what i mean you can't be a dick you have to try and work to people's strengths and understand their weaknesses but then ultimately that does for some people just you just hit a wall and it's just like this probably just creatively doesn't mix well you know what i mean we haven't had that many we haven't had that many of those sessions no, Gen- no. generally speaking you know, you know generally speaking they've all been Pretty good. They've all had, we've come, yeah, they've all been, they've all been good. And even the, even the ones that haven't necessarily worked, we've, we've learned from it. And we've never, we've not left, there's not been any bad relationship or anything's been left from these sessions where it's like, well, we'll never talk to that person ever again. It's all been, yeah. Yeah, all we haven't met no love. twats. There's yeah, been people that no. we've worked with that have been easier and more relaxed and more natural. But everybody that we've always had, we've never left and been like, oh, that guy's a dickhead or that girl's an idiot. Do you know what I mean? It's always like good vibes, just sometimes the connective juices just don't quite blend. And that's the other thing as well. Like even even with our sessions, there's never there's never any arguments. That's the one thing that's the, out of any band I've ever played in. I don't think we've ever had like there's never been any sort of form of confrontation. Like no, obviously voices get raised and opinions get put across. Oh yeah, Generally a lot of speaking, fuck offs we, happen. Oh yeah, but they, we just do that. For the, we just have to laugh. Yeah, there's no like, laugh, <laughs> mate. But um, yeah, like, there's never. We've never had anyone just like completely throw the toys at their pram. We've never had. Oh, actually, I have a few times. That's not true. <laughs> but never, never in a not in an aggressive way. And definitely, that's something I've never had in any band that or or or, or, or project that I've ever worked on. And I see it, I, obviously with the other acts I work as well, I see it loads, I see it loads, I see all that tension, but there's not been, not any of that. And it's kind of, you, 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 I think from the outside, you'd probably expect it because we are quite loud and quite brash, but maybe that's why we don't, it's no point. Do you think that that's maybe part of it because the fact that no one's holding anything back and you're all being so open with your emotions and quite a, like you say, bold and brash yeah, way? Yeah, that, that is literally... Even even outside of like music, just people in general, that is like that is the formula to to not clashing with people is by being honest with people, and like like you say, because we don't hold anything back. There's nothing to hide. Half the time, yeah, when you have angst towards each other or there's things that are pissing you off, it's because one of you is thinking something that you haven't said to the other one, but you've probably said to the other one of the other band members, and you're both sitting there thinking he thinks that this is shit, but he thinks that he thinks this is good, and he doesn't know. And then you go out the room and they're like, oh, he thinks that's shit, by the way. And then you're the dickhead. (laughs) You know what I mean? Whereas if from the off, we straight away are just like, nah, dead, and again, go again. Tom, stop it. Like, I I had a tune, we was working on a tune in the middle room the other day. Johnny had like, I'd made this track that was just like a really basic idea that I'd literally like made the beat out of like splice samples because like I'm not a producer. So like I just like stuck sounds together and was like, all right, Johnny, go away. Yeah. And just sort of like recreate this, but make it ours. So it sounds like that, but not that and do that. And he's like, cool. I spent hours in the other room working on something else. I've come in, bless him. He's been sat there for time, like making this tune and got this like real fancy bass line. I sat down and he's just like, you like it? And I'm just like, yeah, but not that bass. (laughs) <laughs> and he's just like, oh, oh, why? And I'm like, it's good, but it's too happy. It's making me feel, all, hmm, I don't want it to feel like that. No, nah, man. And he's just like, cool. 
And there's no time for sitting there and being like, but, and I know it's long. I know he's sat there for an hour and a half figuring out what he wants to do and how it's got to be done. But there's just no time for taking it personally. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I've got no problem with being told, "Sorry, that take was shit," or "Sorry, you could do that better." Or like Quinton, I'll I'll come to Quinton and I'll be like, "Bruv, listen to this chorus," and I think this is fucking sick. Show it to him, and he's like, "Yeah, that's sick." But I reckon you could. There's a cooler word you could use for that, and there's a better way that you could say that, and it works vice versa. It has to be like that, or it's just fucking long. Otherwise, everyone's no offense. Everyone's acting like girls and just falling out of each other. Do you know what I mean? That's just long, man. I wanted to come back to something lyric, lyrically that we spoke about slightly earlier on in the chat where you were speaking about how you'll often take phrases kind of from television or whatever when you're watching something you'll, you'll enjoy the wordplay of it and note it down. Is the feeling you get when you hear it on the television the same feeling you get when you hear a piece of music in the studio that makes you want to use it in that song? Um, yeah, probably. Like, it's, well, it's probably not quite the same but it's very similar. It just, it's like sometimes you can hear something and it just evokes an emotion and it might not necessarily be the emotion that it's intending to but it like like there's loads of things that i write down that what i end up writing off the back of it has got fuck all to do with what the actual thing that i saw it was from but it just like it makes me feel away but in the same way that i can sit in the studio and hear a song and Quinton's interpretation of that compared to mine are two completely different things but it still sets us both off on a on this like little tangent of oh I'm I'm inspired by this. Do you know what I mean? Like I do think it's a similar sort of thing. It kind of it kind of like they're kind of different, but they both lead to the same end goal. Do you know what I mean? Like parallel train tracks, kind of. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, yeah. I think as well, like from a musical point of view, though, like I think that's the one thing that kind of we're all into is the kind of the visual aspect of it as well. Although you know we've, we've made a few videos of our own, which are which are cool, but obviously from a from a visual point of view, we're all we all we, we kind of write music and just write songs with the idea of the kind of that kind of like visualizing the actual kind of how it would be in a in a in a cinematic form. Like a lot of the songs that we've got off of foul, like because obviously at the time we didn't have the budget to do the videos for it, we had some mad concepts and like. Obviously now, now that we're kind of with a label and kind of had the finances to do that, we're kind of getting a bit more bolder and kind of writing songs that with the end, you know, whether we make the videos or not, but you've kind of thought that far ahead. Like Quinton's a, Quinton's a sucker for that. Yeah. Quinton's already thought like before he's even written the first line, he's already got the vision, the video, the whole cast, the crew. Like, Bruv, that's how a lot of his tunes exactly. start. He'll, I'll come in the studio and he's like, bruv, I've had this video yeah. idea. Imagine this video, yeah, and we've got a dinosaur in a cape <laughs> and it flies into a giant mountain with fat, like, and just explains all this shit. And he's like, yeah, so basically, yeah, and then the song will be about depression. So what do you think? And I'm just like, how the fuck have you just got there from that? But like, he sees the whole journey. And then it makes it difficult to create because he gets pissed off if it's not at the end bit of that journey. We've got to work all the way from yeah. the back and quit. They're just like, no, nah, I need dragons <laughs> and we are working with lizards here. Come on. <laughs> Do you know what I, mean? I mean, was that the yeah. case for the handstand video? Because that kind of lines up completely like metaphorically. That, that, that video, well, the thing about the, the handstand video, so obviously when we wrote handstand, that would have been, that was right, oh, I've been thinking that was like before, just after we finished Foul, we'd kind of started working on the next batch of tracks, which was, part of an EP. We'd written it a day and then kind of Dre came in later past the following day and then that was it, it was done. And we kind of forgot, we didn't necessarily forget about it, but at the time we didn't really have anything for it to be used on. But then um, Scribbler, who does uh, all our artwork for pretty much, yeah, for pretty much everything we've done, well, the really good artwork, he had this concept for a video and kind of where he wanted it, yeah, as it turned out, yeah, the, the whole thing being flipped around and flipped on its head. And again, he pitched the idea to us and we never had the money for it. Um, and then eventually we released the EP and we kind of did the 26 Ghost video and, the, and all the stuff we did at Abbey Road as well. Um, and then we kind of did really, we kind of exhausted everything and then Scribbler just kept pitching the idea for it. So we went back to the label and just, just basically just said, can we have some more money for a bit? Please, can we do but this? Please, we just sat there. Like, obviously, Andrew... Bless him. I actually just went right. See what I can do. Comes back. It's like, yeah, cool, cool. Let's go. And we put that like, you know, that video is, it's a, it's a mad video. It's a mad videos. Shot the whole thing in a day as well. That was a, done in a day. Um, and it was just fucking superb. 
but yeah, I mean, that's the thing. So we've got people like, we, we, it's not just us. Obviously, there's the six of us, but then we've got other musicians that we work with on a regular basis. We've got Will, we've got Robin, you know, the, the people that were playing with us that had the Abbey Road sessions that we've not, so we've got James Kelly, who does a lot of photography, has done uh, Monster Florence and everything before that with the Psy and Regime and all that lot. And then you've got Scribbler, who's done all our artworks. We had this team of people, obviously, and the label, but all these people are kind of involved. So Monster Florence is kind of, it's a gang. Collective. So yeah, it's a collective, yeah. It's a collective. So, like, like, yeah, it's the thing. Like, we all kind of, we all work on, we've got Monster Florence, but at the moment I'm working on Dre's album and si has got a record on the go with Will. Uh, you know, it's got some stuff on the go. Me and Johnny and Camera, we're doing sessions for other people. You know, and it, it's a whole, Colchester's a, a small town, but people look to this area because we've got a pretty cool like, scene of people, man. It's good. A good collective of people. At what point do you distinguish an idea then for Monster Florence and not for a, a side project? To be fair, like in like every bit, see like all the solo projects, it's all done at separate times though. We have like one day a week that is set every day, Tuesday, every Tuesday all we're in studio. It. All of us are in the studio every single Tuesday and like that day is solely for that. Like, like, my, like my solo shit that I work on with Will, I fit that into sessions separately at Will's and Dre does his here and we're, and... Quinton does it like everyone's dotted about like if anything I'd feel like I was taking the piss to turn up on a Tuesday and go yeah this is all sick but do you mind if we all work on one of like my tunes or do you you know what I mean like we ain't we ain't got that much time to work on Monster Florence realistically between everyone's like normal life that they've got to upkeep and everything else to then muddy up any time that we like preciously do have for Monster Florence with anything other than Monster Florence it's just not worth it. Sometimes it goes the other way around. Like there's fucking loads of stuff that I've started for myself. It's take, I started making a solo project probably about the same time that we started Monster Florence, but there has been so many times that I've started and gone, do you know what? Yeah. What is the point in me taking this tune for myself when this will be better if we do it with the band? Do you know what I mean? So nine times out of 10, it's the other way around. You end up taking shit from your solo sessions and then taking it to Monster well, That's Florence. how we met. That was how I met you from doing your first mixtape. So that was how we, that's yeah. how we met. We were doing that. And it was like we were working on, we, we obviously, I was sort of like this pre-recorded the vocals for it. And then I kind of sat there and like, let's do some more stuff. And by that point, everyone had sort of come in. We'd had you know, Dre, Dre and Quinton were there, sorry, Wallace. And then Sam had come in and David had been hanging around. It's like, fuck it, this is cool. Let's just, do, just start this thing and do a band. And it's kind of come from that. Do you notice any difference in the ideas that you develop outside the Monster Florence space and then bring in? Like what you're saying with the stuff that might start off as solo and then be brought into the group because it would work better there. Um, I've like the thing, like I mean, it depends for everyone, I suppose. Like me personally, I always try to go. If I'm working on something solo, I don't want it to sound like the band. Do you know what I mean? Because what's the point? I might again, and I might as well just use it. But that, I'm that half the time is the reason why I then end up going right. Fuck it, let's just use this as the band because. I can go off on a tangent of my own, but ultimately, because my energy and my focus is in the band, I kind of end up coming full circle back to myself. Like some of the tunes on my on my new solo thing are like far more just like beats and rapping and beats and rapping because within the band we have that platform to be really exploring our musicality and exploring like lyricism in a far more poetic and intricate way than. Sometimes you just want to stick on a beat and say some sick shit. Do you know what I mean? Which we do, yeah. do, but like I think Monster Florence is a lot more than that. Do you know what I mean? It's sick that you you've got free rappers. Everyone can rap and do that, and we could we can just put on a fucking eight oh eight beat and go in. But ultimately, the the whole point of Monster Florence is to be far more experimental and far more intricate than that. It's the process of it's the process of getting to that point, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. like for example, like we were saying about resourceful. Resourceful came from like a beat I. Freaking made in like the, my, the drum machine, like in sort of 10 minutes, threw it to the group, and everyone was like, Oh, this is sick. I'm like, Is it it's dead? And Quinton comes up with this concept, and then we kind of bandified the whole thing and like, took it far further, so far removed from what it was, and then drew the whole thing back to just again, just a straight beat where it was. But it took us <clears throat> 12 months to come to that conclusion. That's the process, man. But then like, again, other times it's just bang, do a song, it's done, that's finished. You know, but you have, it's in that process, you know, like so I, I can't imagine so would be sitting there with Will and just be doing, you know, <clears throat> banging out like a drill beat or something and go, you know what? It needs an orchestra. Let's put an orchestra in Will's bedroom. 
know. Yeah. <laughs> and then and then pulling in the orchestra and going, nah, let's just get rid of all of that. You just you just wouldn't just <laughs> not. And and the thing is the thing is as well, like for everything else I work on outside of it, and I can probably speak to Cameron joining as well. <clears throat> I don't know, like it doesn't quite feel doesn't have the same satisfaction. The result I don't ever feel as sat- You miss yeah. us. You miss us. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, when you speak about, we were talking about handstand like a few minutes back, and when it comes to pushing yourself in different directions, the type of stuff you're doing, like vocally and kind of sonically on that, is taking it somewhere you've not really been to much before, a lot softer direction. Yeah, well, we had like deck of, deck of cards was kind of written around a similar period of time as well. The thing, the thing is, there's 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 this one thing the studio's got that no other studio in the world will have, right? Is this fucked piano that I picked up for free. It's one piano that's just horrendously out of tune, but is absolute magic. And anything that starts with that kind of ends up feeling really mourn- mournful and kind of retrospective and kind of a little bit more emotional. And that's kind of a lot of those songs. And I think it was also timely as to where we were at. Like when we wrote that, everybody individually, like that yeah. song, that song's fucking Deep. a well, that song is near enough therapy Deep. for mm-hmm. each person on that track. Like that song isn't, that's, that song's so personal that it took me a while to decide I was happy with that being a song that we put out. I remember saying to Quinton, because everyone was like, oh, hands down, man, this, this tune's sick. And I was like, I remember having a ring, ringing up Quinton and being like, oh, I don't know if I want this tune to go out. Like, I'm saying some shit that's gone on and this is far more of an outlet track as opposed to saying, I want people to hear and then he was like, nah, man, we've got to do it. We've got to put it out. We've got to put it out. And so I was just like, all right. And then, even up until the point of doing the video, I remember doing the video thinking, I really don't want to reenact this <laughs> shit moment in my life. Like, but it kind of like that honesty, like that's what's connected with people the most. People can like that. You can hear that it's real. It's not, it's not like some bullshit stories that are being made up. And, but in, in the process of that, it shows that, it's not even, I just, let's see like that tune to me, it's not even like it shows like a softer side to everyone, but I think it, it really shows a vulnerable side to everyone. And when you're a band who are kind of based around a lot of heavier, tumping, bass heavy, you've got me being vulgar and swearing loads and whatever, then when you then show that real human side of everybody, it kind of made everybody, I think it took everybody back a little bit. It's made everyone like, oh, right, okay, like it's not just, Jumping around and saying "fuck," do you know what I mean? One of the best, the the best. Because we've, we've only played it. Like obviously, the EP came out in May. With the only time we've ever played it is, uh, is Abbey Road. But that was the Abbey Road version. Of that was probably like one of. <clears throat> obviously, aside the video, the video is fucking sick and amazing. But that performance we did at Abbey Road, the take that we did was the actual the first full time we played through it. That that's the first take we did, and that is just. I just wish we released that version. <laughs> it's just. It's mm. fucking crazy. It really is. It's like, that's probably one of the pinnacle moments for me musically. Just, and there's actually a point in that live video where Sire starts singing the bits that you don't really hear on the, on the, on the studio recording of it with the kind of the big whoa bit at the end. And there is a moment of where like the camera pans across and me and my jaws dropped. <laughs> Mate, when you get to the end of that video, yeah, when you get to the end of that video, I clocked it after we released it. I didn't even clock like, I fucking, when I get to that, like, yeah. that big crescendo yeah. being, I go, yeah. like, and then when it all stops, if you watch, like, literally, I'm stood there and I look like someone else has just done that and I'm impressed. I'm looking around at everyone going, fucking, yes, mate. I don't, I don't know what just happened there, but that was fucking The thing sick. about that is, again, we hadn't, we hadn't played it. That was the first we played it live. So Johnny obviously composed these strings that weren't on the record. We pulled in all our mates to kind of like, pull in all his favours. Everyone's there. We're in Abbey Road. A studio tour, it's all kind of like you know trying to get trying to get our money's worth out of it because it weren't cheap. The label and kind of the production team were all a bit like you know you, you know you should only really focus on doing like you know two maybe three songs. And we're like fuck it, we're brilliant. We're gonna just do. We end up doing eight, didn't we? we end up doing eight. We ended, we ended up yeah. we ended up <laughs> ended up everyone the camera crew leaving because we had nothing left to record, and then ended up staying on for about three hours recording a bunch of other stuff. <laughs> But that moment, that moment of obviously, where the, the first thing that we did, and then the strings came in, and it was the first time we'd all heard it, and it was just like, fucking hell, this is crazy. And you see at the end, everyone's a little bit shell-shocked, like, what the hell happened there? But yeah, amazing. Really, yeah, like... Yeah, mad. I don't want to do too much performing of it, though, because singing that chorus live is fucking hard work. Like, that, that, 
little fucking high-pitched singing shit. See, when we recorded the song, yeah, I was like, I want to record this, yeah, but I'm going to cross We're going to do that, yeah, but, like, let's make it sound like a sample. So we'll sit, I'll sing it, and then we'll put it in, and we'll fuck it up a bit, and then we'll loop it so it sounds like a sample. Which all was great until it comes to, like, fuck, now we've got to play it, and we can't just play a sample over and over, and I was like, fucking no. <laughs> and, like, when we do live gigs and shit, I get to, like, song three, and my voice is gone because I'm gobbing off and shouting and that. So I'm not looking forward to being like midway through the set, right, let's bring it down a notch. And I'm there trying to... That's, that's, the, other thing, isn't it? that's the other thing that I could be kind of miss is the live thing is that I think, obviously, during lockdown, our, our kind of, our kind of like, our audience has kind of widened massively since lockdown because um, everyone's yeah. trapped inside or whatever, whatever's happened, we kind of like things have started to pop a bit more for us. So there's a whole load of people that haven't seen us play live and that's, that's like... That's another level. I've even forgot what it's like, but our, our live sets are a bit mental. A bit mental. I'm quite looking forward to getting back on there. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.